Well, welcome everyone to Big League Dreaming, the podcast, a show about fulfilling your dreams and taking it to the next level. We have a great show lined up for you. At least we hope so, <laughs> like we do every single week. And uh, this time, I, I think, uh, well, if, you, if you're new to Big League Dreaming, this podcast is a dad and his three sons talking about the game they love so much, baseball. And it could be any level of baseball. We might be talking about Little League Baseball, College Baseball, the minor leagues, uh, the professional major league baseball, whatever, international baseball. We had a lot of fun with the World Baseball Classic this uh, earlier this year. So it, no topic is off limits. And um, I think that uh, it's just something that's in our blood. It's our passion to consider ourselves. These are the conversations that we have around the dinner table when we were young, when the kids were younger. I was, I was much younger too. And uh, these are conversations that we continue to have in our adult life. Joining us on today's podcast, we have two of the three sons. Uh, son number one in birth order, it's Zach Gonzalez down in North Carolina. Zach, how you doing? Doing well. Thanks for listening, everybody. We can't wait to talk to you about your massive road trip. You've been on a Major League Baseball road trip binge this summer. A little bit, but trying to trying to catch up with Zane, really. <laughs> and then son number three is with us, and talk about a baseball binge. He just came off a big tour. Zane, how you doing? Tired. <laughs> a lot of driving so, a lot of driving a lot of baseball we won't talk about the one game that you missed we'll, we'll save that for not for another podcast uh well you made it to the game it's it's how it ended we'll talk about some other time uh son number two uh ty could not join us tonight but do we we do have him uh with uh with a question for our guests today uh let's get right to our guest uh zach you want to introduce uh today's uh featured guest yeah, absolutely. Uh, today we're talking to a good friend of mine, uh, Justin Morgenstern, who is now the director of player personnel for the Appalachian League. Uh, Justin and I, we worked together back in Myrtle Beach, um, like you said, a decade ago now, Justin, um, back when you were doing video coordinating for the Rangers. And I know you have an extensive background in scouting, uh, more so on the um baseball operations player personnel side so really uh looking forward to chatting some baseball with you today thanks for joining us likewise this is uh this is fantastic i love that you guys are a family that get to do this together i'm personally taking a uh a short little sabbatical from uh from all my baseball travels now now my job's pretty remote but we'll get back on the road here uh, in the next few weeks and i'll be seeing baseball stadiums once again like the rest of you guys well, in fact, we have a we have a trip planned for later this summer. The the four of the four of us. Yes, <laughs> it just seems crazy to think that we're actually going to do this. I hope it all works out. But in August, we have a massive uh, road trip plan um, to do three games in twenty four hours. So we'll save that podcast for uh, for another day. Let's get to to Justin Morgenstern. Justin, where are you from originally? Because the name Morgenstern, I know I have some friends here in Michigan with the last name Morgenstern. None of them I'm related to, I don't think. I don't know of any family in, in Michigan, but uh, I'm originally uh, uh, East Hanover, New Jersey, uh, which is about 20 minutes west of New York City. Uh, grew up there uh, first 18 years of my life before I, I went off to uh, Indiana University and then uh, have been traveling the country ever since, uh, you know, working in baseball and, and now find myself right back in New Jersey uh, in my adult life. I'm going to guess uh, middle infielder, bat left, throws right. Uh, I was third base, outfield, bat right, throw right, 
I had an arm. I had a glove. I could not hit worth a darn. I, I it was it was brutal to watch. <laughs> and, and you knew right at that point, I'm gonna scout. Yeah, at that point, it was it, it was very obvious very early on that that I didn't have a baseball uh, uh, playing career in my future. So yeah, I needed to find something else to fill my time. Well, Justin, there's a lot to talk to you about today. This podcast is about fulfilling your dreams and taking it to the next level. I think a lot of us. All of us, myself and, my, and all my boys, you know, had aspirations of obviously playing at the highest level, making it to the major leagues. But I think today's podcast is going to be a lot of fun because, you know, you're an evaluator. You, you, you watch talent uh, every day. You, you, you know what, what it takes to make it to each level, right? The Appalachian League is one stepping stone to get to the major leagues. But just to get to the Appalachian League is an accomplishment in itself. So uh, we can't wait to ask you more questions about, about scouting. And, and also, I'm sure Zane has a few questions about the college baseball or the collegiate baseball leagues, right, Zane? Sure, yeah. <laughs> Zane, Zane's got some experience with that. Um, he's, uh, he's got a new uh, team he's going to be coaching this summer, so I uh, can't wait to, to have him ask you some questions. But let's go back in your background real quick. Um, sure. where you, you get to Indiana, and did, did you walk onto the team, or you, you knew you were done? I didn't even play in college. Uh, I, I, I didn't even really play in high school. Um, uh, I stopped at the eighth grade point because I was that bad. I found myself uh, a little bit better at lacrosse, uh, also a spring sport. So I pursued that. And and here's the truth of the matter. Here's how this all started. I grew up a diehard Red Sox fan uh, in northern Jersey, uh, got beat up by all the Yankee fans, um, went home every day, read about baseball, watched baseball so I can go back to school the next day and argue with the Yankee fans and prove, you know, I, I, I can do one better than you. Um, and, uh, you know, I was there's was plenty of times where I was on the lacrosse field and we were practicing and I would watch the baseball team practicing off in the distance. And I would zone out watching the baseball team because baseball was my my first love. It was it was the the sport I've, I've always loved. And I would get yelled at Morgenstern. What are you doing? If you want to play baseball so bad, you know, go over there. Honestly, coach, if I could, I would, but, you know, <laughs> there's a reason I'm over here. So, um, you know, it's, uh, I got to the point where uh, I knew a decent amount about baseball and mom and dad said, you need to go major in something that helps you pursue uh, maybe a career in baseball. You can turn this into something. You should get paid for this. So I ended up at Indiana and I was a sport marketing major, sport marketing management. And, uh, you know, they helped me get some internships and one thing led to another. And then, and then Zach, you guys met in Myrtle Beach at some point. Yeah, um, took that internship with the Pelicans, and Justin was, um, you know, on on the video on the camera, breaking down swings and the the whole system he had there, and he was showing me how guys can filter. You know, I want us to look at all curveballs from the last home stand and and all that, and that was like breaking technology in in 2013. Um, they were just setting up like the strike zone out there on the field. Uh, big time stuff. Um, but yeah, just seeing like Justin grow going from team to team and kind of staying connected with him. I'll text him about players and stuff. Um, it's been really cool. So, um, Justin, I know you've had a lot of different responsibilities, a lot of different jobs over, uh, your time in baseball. Uh, I want to ask about like some of the cooler experiences you've had. I know like when you were out doing theirs on a fall league, that was really special overseeing operations for that. When you were in the draft room with the Phillies, I know that was super, super cool. What are some things that have been like at the top of your list as far as that, as far as that goes? 
first off, there there were several years there where I got to wake up every day and someone was paying me to go to a baseball field and someone was paying me to watch a baseball game and then give my opinion on the players on the field. And that's like something, you know, we're all willing to do from our couch for free. But someone was like, hey, why don't you fly to Florida, fly to Texas, fly to California and 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 go watch these guys and let us know what you think. And maybe we'll use your recommendation to potentially draft a player. To me, like from a from a from a bird's eye point of view, that was that that's the coolest experience I've ever had. It's just again, someone trusting me with my evaluation skills to say, should we draft this guy or should we not? Should we trade for this guy or should we not? Um, but we can go through, you know, a ton of different experiences. Being in the draft room was was an unbelievable feeling, getting my first player drafted, um, you know, and and signing him to his contract and going with him to all the doctor's appointments, making sure he checked all the right boxes was was a huge thrill. Um, you know, watching watching uh you know, one of my draftees, my, my first ever big leaguer make his big league debut was like, you know, uh, it was it was uh euphoric it was uh it was amazing um so so there's a whole boatload of experiences i can dive into but honestly it's it's to get paid to watch baseball there's 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 really nothing better so you you were you were able to uh to live those dreams out in real time and 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 watch these players develop that had to be pretty cool it's great i mean you know again signing to their to to a contract then watching them uh, in a uniform that you basically help put on them. And then, um, you know, I, I often tell people, you know, something that I really, really enjoyed during my time scouting was looking up the box scores every single night, looking down the box score and seeing which guys I signed, which ones I didn't, how everyone was doing and just following their career along and keeping in touch with them. And then getting reports back from the Phillies and, or, or the Braves also I worked for, uh, this is how, these are how your guys are doing. Uh, um, just, just amazing stuff. It's, it, it was, it, there was oftentimes I'd pinch myself and say, is this real? Cause I still felt like a, you know, a 12 year old kid out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, I think one like big debate that's out there is like summer ball for college guys. So like having coached in the Northwoods league, you know, I spent three summers out there. I mean, one kind of has an asterisk cause it was the COVID summer and we were playing five inning triple headers on weekends. So <laughs> <laughs> that was kind of a mess in itself but it was a lot of fun um but like how much stock does like scouting departments put into you know college summer leagues like the northwoods league or the cape cod league when they're looking at potential draft picks so there's there's two different answers to that um you know the the i'll, I'll answer the scouting side of it when it comes to the scouting side of it after the draft is over, the scouts calendar basically flips to the next year. So we immediately go out to all the summer showcases. We go out to this, all the summer leagues and we start identifying players we might be interested in for the next year. So that's kind of like where we get our first potential evaluation of our player. We get our eyes on them. Maybe we just, maybe if we don't decide at that moment, this guy has the potential to be a major league all-star, potential be a, you know, a triple A player. That's at least where we recognize, hey, I need to circle this guy's name because I'm going to need to go check him out next spring right before the draft to see, you know, if we potentially want to draft this guy. So um, summer leagues are really effective for that. Now, uh, then there's the analytics side of things. When I was with the Phillies, you know, the analytics department took in every piece of data they could possibly do. Uh, and they put stock in that data and 
if you're in the Cape Cod League, you know, where there's some really elite competition, they know they know what hitting 300 in the Cape Cod means. If you're in the Northwoods League, which is pretty darn good competition, they know what 300 means there. And they know what, how a 300 hitter in the Northwoods League lines up against a 300 hitter in the Cape. Um, and now uh, I work for the Appalachian League where, you know, we've got 10 teams. Uh, our league is is operating in conjunction with with Major League Baseball and, and USA Baseball. And every single stadium that our guys play in, all 10 fields, are, uh, you know, have we've got Diamond Kinetics at every field. We've got TrackMan. We've got Rapsodo. Uh, and we've got we've got Synergy going at all times. So all this data from every single game we play is getting fed to all 30 teams at the exact same time. So uh, as these teams build out their models and they're sitting in the draft room, all that data gets put in there, whether whether it's good data, whether it's good for the player, it's bad for the player. It all helps them, you know, wait and evaluate, is this guy potentially good for our organization or not? So the answer to your question, it's, it's uh, it sound ball can be huge, can be huge. <laughs> and, you know, that's, that's kind of what I think we provide in the Appalachian League now is um, the potential to expose a player to all 30 teams that may not have been seen otherwise. How how wild has it been to like see the whole? Because we've really kind of seen the evolution of all the stuff you've talked about, like synergy, TrackMan, all that stuff come along really in the last five to ten years. You know, what's that kind of been like on your side of seeing all that stuff kind of explode over the years? Um, it's it's a lot to keep up with. You know, it's yeah. it's as as we get older. You know, you gotta you gotta teach an old dog new tricks, and you have to learn all this new. Uh, all this new technology but you know the younger generation some of the kids you probably coach they only grew up with Rapsodo they've been using Rapsodo since they were in sixth grade so they understand it like that um, they know exactly what spin axis is and spin efficiency and how they can maybe make their curveball bite a little bit harder um, so it's been it's been sometimes overwhelming trying to keep up with all of it um, Zach kind of Briefly mentioned when I was in Myrtle Beach with him 10 years ago, the stuff I was doing um, video wise is it's it's almost archaic now to what they can do. Um, but it was it was the start of it. So it's been eye opening. It's been overwhelming, but it's also been it's also been really fun because as this technology develops, it really can tell you an absolute ton about players that you wouldn't realize otherwise. Yeah, I mean, we we've had synergy here at our school the last two years and it, it's been kind of crazy to just be able to just have that kind of access to our fingertips like not just like our players and teams and our in the NAIA like I can go look at anything pretty much you know right and it's kind of crazy like junior college kids like we can pull it up you know if we're interested in a in a recruit it's it's crazy how much it's kind of evolved over the last few years Right now, right now, my role at the Appalachian League, I'm in charge of uh, player recruitment, roster construction for all 10 teams in the league. Um, so now when I have coaches call me and recommend players, I've got Synergy open on my laptop at all times and I pull up that player instantaneously. And as they're talking to me about the player within seconds, I'm just watching video as they're as they're talking about the player. And I'm using my, you know, former scouting background to to help evaluate if this player is going to be a good fit for our league or not. Josh, I'm curious, how did, how did you land in the Appalachian League? Because it sounds like you were on a, on a path to be, you know, in the scouting, you know, at some level, move up in the scouting system at, at, a, at a major league level. What made you go to the to the Appy League? Yeah, um, 
hardest decision I've ever made in my entire life, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, I was at a point where I had a major league team paying me and I was living the dream and I was um, on the road a lot and I had a family at home. Um, but it got to the point where, you know, we live in the Northeast, we reside in the Northeast and we wanted to grow our family. Uh, and uh, scouting, we'll say, is probably not the most lucrative career out there for, you know, for, for someone. Um, and, you know, when I'm on the road 150 nights a year, you know, you start to you start to feel guilty, you know, when with your wife sending you pictures of, of your one year old at home and we wanted to grow our family. So um, it got to the point where uh, I wanted to continue working and scouting. I wanted to continue working for the Phillies, uh, but I had to, you know, look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, do I, do I want to keep going with this and, and potentially be a bad dad, a bad friend, a bad husband, uh, or do I want to, you know, you know, set my roots down and, and be home more? And the answer was I wanted to be home more. So I spoke to the Phillies about it and, um, you know, I told them what my wishes were and unfortunately it just didn't work out. And, they wanted me to stay on the road and continue scouting. And, uh, you know, I, I had a, you know, I pulled the trigger on, on making that really tough decision of, you know what, uh, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm going to stop this and I'm going to go out and I'm going to, I'm going to find a real, you know, everyday job, a, a nine to five. And I got super lucky. Um, you know, I've got some friends in really good places and, uh, someone at major league baseball, I went to scout school with, I had a few other friends from the Arizona fall league that now, uh, work at Major League Baseball. And uh, fortunately for me, um, I was unemployed for for less than a week when Major League Baseball called and said, hey, we want to talk to you about this this new role at the Appalachian League you think you might be interested in. And, um, you know, bing, bang, boom, two or three days later, I was, I was, you know, agreeing to them on a position and I was back in baseball when I didn't think it was going to happen like that. Yeah, I, 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 I can relate. You have to make that's the thing. The part about this podcast is that you know your dreams do change as you grow up, as as you decide you want a different you know a path for your life, right? I think mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of young players grow up, and that's all they're doing is baseball twenty four seven. And then at some point, they realize, like, you know what? I'm not the best player on the field. I don't know if I ever will be the best player on the field. So mm-hmm. where where do I see myself, and what do I want to accomplish? Some might go into coaching. Some might go into you know, um, a different field in the game. Some might leave the game entirely. So, folks, if you're just tuning into the podcast, again, we're talking to Justin Morgenstern. Uh, he is the director of player personnel for the Appalachian League, and we're talking about his um, his long history in Major League Baseball and scouting. Uh, he also uh, worked with Zach for a little bit in Myrtle Beach. That's how they first got together. Uh, let's stay on the track for a little bit more on what Zane was talking about, because obviously Zane – being the pitching coach, recruiting coordinator at Indiana, Indiana University at South Bend, and also um, having that, that college collegiate league baseball summer experience. Um, the analytics part threw me off for a little bit because I it was Moneyball was on replay, you know, how it's always on replay on right. some network. And I was watching that like going, you know what, look how fast this changed, right? How fast it changed. Are we missing though something about old school baseball are we missing the player that just doesn't fit into the numbers but still does well right are we missing out on guys that um can have good stories to tell can can actually make a contribution to a team in a different way playing a different role and they kind of lose out because of the numbers that's that's a really good question that's a really tough question i i think you know in this age of 
I guess now we're, we're almost 20 years post Moneyball, if not more, right? I think every team is kind of caught up and, you know, they have their own version of Moneyball that they're running. But um, I think a common misconception could be that, you know, a lot of teams have given up on scouting. And I think there are a couple teams out there who probably value scouting, you know, less than, than their own analytics. Um, but I think at the end of the day, um, you know, scouting directors, when you're drafting players, they're going to listen to their scouts. We're the, we're the ones with the boots on the ground. We're, we're seeing that player more than anyone else in the scouting department. Um, there's no if, ands, or ups, buts about it. The area scout sees the player more than anyone else. So um, if that area scout finds a player that maybe the numbers don't quite line up and they, and they, uh, and they truly believe in it and you have a scouting director that's, that's willing to back you up and understand where you're coming from, I think that's still possible. Is it harder in this day and age with all the numbers we have and the analytics? Absolutely. There's no question about it. But, you know, hopefully if there's a player out there who is kind of slipping through the cracks and you're and you're and a scout finds them. And I'm a firm believer if there's a good ball player out there, a scout's going to find you. They're going to hear about you one way or the other. Um, you know, if Zane coaches against a kid at another school who's who's unbelievably good and might be slipping through the cracks. I'm sure Zane's going to talk about it. And that person's going to tell someone else and, you know, word gets out. So um, I still think those players are out there and I, I think teams have the ability to sign them, but sure. It's nice when the numbers are there to, to back up the, the scouting evaluation. Yeah. I can imagine scouting was a very fulfilling, but also a tough job. Can you remember any instances where you scouted a player that did not meet your expectations or, on the flip side, maybe you scouted a player that exceeded your expectations. Would love to hear a story about that. Um, I can probably say uh, my biggest miss was a uh, center fielder now for the Toronto Blue Jays is Dalton Varsho, who was a catcher at uh, University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Um, and I actually sat there for a full weekend and watched Dalton play and uh, his dad was there and his dad's a former big league coach and uh, has seen every, every good and bad baseball player on the planet. Um, and his dad is telling me the entire time, Oh my goodness, you are seeing Dalton's worst weekend of his entire career. <laughs> and I think it was true. I think he, if I remember correctly, he went like one for 11 or one for 12, he hit a home run, but probably had five or six strikeouts. You know, I didn't see an arm behind the plate and I just had tunnel vision. And I said, this guy, not meeting my expectations at all. I, you know, I, I, there's a chance for a pro player here, but I don't see a big leaguer. And uh, here we are, he's no longer behind the plate, but he's roaming center field, hitting bombs in the big leagues, uh, you know, was involved in a big trade this past off season. Uh, that was probably, uh, you know, a guy missing my expectations um, and a guy exceeding my expectations. That's also a really good question. Um first player I ever signed was a was a junior college shortstop uh named Nick Maton uh and uh Nick was at a small junior college in southern southern uh Illinois just outside of St. Louis um and uh you know some of those junior college games can be rough to watch uh and I went down there not not expecting very much but I saw this super twitchy athlete who had an arm uh he had the ability to crush a fastball he had quality bat speed, uh, and I was there for a doubleheader. And I called up my bosses right after that doubleheader and said, "I got to have this guy." Um, and he just—he absolutely blew me away. And 
I brought in all my bosses over the next several weeks to make sure. And we ended up drafting him. Uh, we ended up drafting him in the seventh round of the 2017 draft. Um, and now, now he's, I don't know if you're all Tigers fans or, well, Zach, you're, you're a Mariners fan, but uh, you know, you're from Michigan now, now he's a, uh, now he's a Detroit Tiger playing in the big league. So uh, that's a guy who, who absolutely exceeded my expectations. Yeah, he's currently one of our favorite Tigers here in the Gonzalez household in Michigan. None of my boys, Justin, are Tigers fans. Oh, man. How'd you, how'd you let that slip through the crack? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like, I know that Zach has his girls all Mariners, you know, get decked out. And I'm like, wait a minute. They can't, can't be anything but Mariners fans. Yet my boys are Mariners, Red Sox, and Mets. I don't know. I, I messed wow. up somewhere. <laughs> well, I'm glad Nick's one of your favorites, though. He's got he's got quite the personality, and he's a really fun player to watch. You know, what I like about him is, is that to me, I mean, baseball is more than just. I mean, this is gonna sound weird. You guys are all baseball tools guys, but um, I think there's a there's a there's also a quality in baseball. It's like, you know what? I'm gonna win this at bat. I may not have the physical talent as the pitcher, but I'm gonna win this at bat no matter what, right? And he's got that spark, that look in his eyes, like, you know what? I might. I might strike out three times in a row here, but I'm going to get them the next time. Right. That little chip on his shoulder. Nick has a, uh, Nick has an uncanny ability to just move past and go to the next at bat. And he is a, uh, he is a, he is a ball player. He is a gamer. Yeah. He, he lives uh, at the hitting facility. He trains at all winter long because not because he just wants to be better, but because he just loves hitting. He just wants to be in there with a bat in his hands and just, he just wants to keep hitting baseballs. That's that's just him. Uh, and and I can tell you right now, Nick Mayton, when he steps in a batter's box, that's that's absolutely his most favorite spot on earth. Well, I know we don't have a lot of time here to, uh, for this podcast, but Zane, I got to let you ask uh, some questions. Being the Red Sox fan, <laughs> oh geez, uh, do they make the playoffs? What do you think? Oh, uh, you know, the answer's no. <laughs> I, I I I hear I hear from my dad nightly about about the Red Sox and how they're doing. Um, I'll tell you what I've had a really hard time. I, I don't want to say I've had a hard time. I haven't known how to handle my first season in my entire life where I don't know who to root for anymore. You know, I went from being a diehard Red Sox fan. Eventually, once you start working in baseball, it's hard to keep that allegiance, especially once you're working for another team. You you start paying attention to the team you're working for. So all those years I was working for the Braves and the Phillies, I couldn't keep track of the Red Sox. There was just too much going on. Then I got so involved in the amateur baseball scene that, you know, it was hard keeping up with the big leagues. And now that I'm not working for a team, I haven't exactly uh, just gone back to just watching the Red Sox all the time. I have a hard time figuring out what game I would want to put on every single night. Uh, you know, I'm still, I'm still pretty heavily involved in the amateur scene. So uh, are they going to make the playoffs? The answer is I don't know, because I don't, I, you know, I don't, I don't know how the entire big league scene looks out there. I check, I check on my, the guys I've drafted every single night, but other than that, I, I quickly scroll through the scores. The answer is no. AL East is too good. They won't do it. <laughs> they need pitching help. I know that. Yes, they do. <laughs> Awesome. But well, if you want, if you want to talk past Red Sox, by the way, that I can do uh, <laughs> for the next week. Okay. <laughs> awesome. But yeah, Justin, we really appreciate uh, you taking the time to chat with us. Um, Dad, you got anything? Want to close us out? 
No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. You did a great job. Oh, we have to have you on again, though, because I'm really curious. I, I looked at the teams that are in the league, and I'm like, those are some really cool towns. I've been to uh, several of them. I also noticed that uh, the Johnson City Doughboys, Doughboys, Doughboys. I, I see that they have a bench coach that's a woman, and I like that's awesome. Yeah, we we've got a we've got a couple female coaches in the league this year, two returning. Uh, Jackie Reynolds there in Johnson City, and then we have a, a returning coach, uh, returning female coach in Burlington, I want to say. Um, uh, but uh, the team names in the Appalachian League are absolutely phenomenal. I love them. The merchandise they have is unbelievable. The teams do a really great job. These are these are ten teams who uh, used to be affiliated baseball as of three years ago, and then when minor league baseball contracted. Major League Baseball kind of converted this into a, a collegiate summer league. And, um, you know, it's really cool to have a collegiate summer league playing in these former pro baseball parks because you still have fans that are thirsty to watch quality baseball. And that's that's kind of where my job comes in, right, is to try and find quality college players to put on those fields every night so that they still get their fill of good baseball. And uh, it's a really fun league. The team names are – are I, I absolutely love them. Uh uh well, and well uh, go ahead and tell us really quick before we run out of time tell it tell you all the team names yeah johnson said no boys <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> it's gonna run out yeah we're gonna have <laughs> time here we got burlington sock puppets danville otterbots johnson city doughboys kingsport axemen uh pulaski river turtles uh i don't i don't think i give enough time to answer zach <laughs> i think it's we lost sad. them it said less than a minute remaining, and you put him on the game show to name all 10 teams. <laughs> I didn't see the timer, and uh, I lost track of it, so I'm so sorry, Justin. Uh, I love I love how he said, like, you want me to name all the teams? <laughs> oh, and then I love how the, the, the Zoom just ended. Like, it just kicked <laughs> us out. That was hilarious. He, he texted me and said, I felt like I was on a game show. <laughs> oh, folks, well, I hope you did enjoy today's podcast. Zach, he was a great guest. We should have, no, I was serious, we should have him on again because I learned a lot. And it's, it's fun to see where baseball is at right now, right? Uh, it, it's just so different from when you played, you and, you and your brothers played, compared to when I was coaching you guys, compared to when you were playing in, in college baseball. I mean, it's changed so much. I know it really has, and uh, like I said, every time I talk to Justin, I learn learn so much from him just because he has seen so much baseball. Like, he's going yeah. to games almost every single day, and not only going to games, but he's talking high-level baseball with people that are, you know, have responsibility to make big decisions on on big players for the game, so it's very, very cool. Folks, if you uh, enjoyed the podcast, please let us know. You can always email us at Big League Dreaming, right? At, uh, at gmail.com. Gmail at gmail.com. Or, of course, you can follow us on all the social media. We are on – okay, wait, I made up I made up uh, something we were on last time. <laughs> Make sure I get this right. <laughs> we're, we're on Twitter. We're on Twitter at BLDPod, at BLDPOD. Uh, we right. do not have an Instagram. You tried to give us an Instagram last episode, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> off my game uh we are on tiktok i know that and um we uh yeah wherever you get your podcast and you can find big league dreaming the podcast thanks everyone for tuning in zach it's been good talking to you i think uh 
Zane had to take off. Uh, I think he was putting Elaine out there at the office. Um, but uh, thanks again to, to, to Justin and Morganstern for being on today's show. Folks, we'll see you next week. Right, Zach? Yes, you got it. Let's do it. Thank you, everyone. Bye, everyone.